0: Sarah Beth Bledsoe, as an intern, focused on helping in the areas of youth and children alongside family life ministry. The details of these changes will be shared at our next church conference, which, due to December's calendar, that will be the second, actually, of 2022 in the evening. So we're gonna—I'll I'll share more details. Uh, about what these positions involve and so forth at that. But let me say this. We will have a special recognition and celebration of Erica's ministry with us during our Sunday morning services, December the 26th. That Sunday, our children are going to sing the Christmas songs they've been working on. And so we're going to recognize Erica and do something special for her. So I want to share that today because she's not going to be here today. Okay, so... Um. Let's love her and celebrate and recognize the work that God's done through her on the last Sunday of this month, December 26th. So pray for our church and encourage these individuals through this time of transition. I know there are questions, but um, I needed to make that announcement just to bring everybody alongside on the same page. So any other announcements? Let me share a few prayer requests, okay? So Benji was telling me before service, Miss Carolyn Fodor is in the hospital. That's Michelle's mother. Let's continue to pray for her. Miss Judy has a burden for Mr. Joe. Uh, he's in rehab in Noonan uh, and will be there for a few more days. So y'all pray for her as she travels back and forth and for Mr. Joe as he continues to, um, to gain strength. Uh, I did want to let y'all know, I don't know if everyone knows, that Mr. Charles Gore passed away. That's Ginger Harper's grandfather. 95-year-old man, a very special, dear person. Let's pray for the Charles Gore family. Jennifer Carroll, her cancer has come back also. So let's pray for her. Um, she'll find out soon what the treatment plan for her need is. And then Judy Giles is having back issues. Uh, Ms. Lewis was sharing with me. Any other prayer requests? Ms. Yvonne. Amen. Jacob Thompson. Thank you, Miss Savon. Well, let's stand. Uh, Kyle Kane is going to come and read a passage of Scripture that I asked him to read. Listen carefully because <clears throat> the sermon that we'll have from Isaiah chapter 9, a lot of what he's going to read about the birth announcement of Christ helps us see that Jesus fulfills the promise in Isaiah 9. Kyle, thank you, brother.
1: What I was going to read this morning was uh, from Luke chapter 1, and it's verse 26 through 38. In the sixth month, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The, The angel went to her and said, Greetings who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will, be, you will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be called Great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. in her old age, and she who was said to be barren in her six months, for nothing is impossible with God. I tell you what, y'all, I have peace knowing that, that uh, I mean, God planned this from the very beginning, and that um, it, wasn't, it wasn't man's plan, it's God's plan to send Jesus to save us from our sins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and your kindness and your love. And thank you for Jesus, Lord, that, uh, that He came to rescue us. God, um, I lift up the prayer request that was heard this morning. I, I pray that, uh, that you would heal people that need healing, God, and that we would believe that you're going to do it. I pray that you'd be with us this morning, and I pray that uh, the Holy Spirit would be here. These things I ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.
2: Good morning. morning. We're going to begin worship this morning with singing Worthy, You Are Worthy.
3: Jesus
2: choir to come up in just a second. I asked Neil if I could share a little bit before we lit the Advent candle, because um, this morning I woke up just with a heavy heart, and Advent kind of took on a new meaning. Um, Rebecca, will you put that last verse of Away in a Manger up there real quick? This morning our, our candle is the candle of peace, and um, a couple of weeks ago, Mom and I went through the grief share of surviving the holidays, and My biggest takeaway from that is they said that truly Christmas is the holiday for those who are suffering. It's a sufferer's holiday. And if you look at that last verse we just sang, when we think about the peace Christ gives us, that peace comes when we ask him to be near to us, when we ask him to stay by our side forever um, and to just love us. Um, And when you think about the Christmas songs we sing, so many of them talk about peace and comfort. And when you think about the four candles that we light, it's amazing how much they do line up with grief. Um, last week it was hope. And we all hope, just as that verse ends, to see our loved ones in heaven. And then we, we pray for God's peace. And we grip on and we hold on to the love, not only of the loved ones that we've lost, but also the love of Christ. And, and the ability that only he has to fill those voids in our life. And then finally, we we pray that through that hope that is everlasting. And, and as um, Bryson talked about last week, you know, past, present, and future. And as we pray for that peace for God to give us, um, and we continue to love, you know, ultimately Christmas does bring a joy when we don't feel like we can have much joy. And so... Um, this last Christmas, Neil gave me a book called Love Came Down at Christmas, and then um, this year, Bryson gave it to me again, so I told him, I said, I got it, two copies of it, Um, and so actually, I'm reading one, and my fiance, Russ, is reading the second one with me, and that whole book stays focused on Corinthians 13, which I just thought was phenomenally interesting, Um, but I just wanted to share that you know, the other thing we talked about was sometimes it's comforting just to light a candle to remember that those people are, are not gone forever if they believed in Christ. And um, as I was thinking about how many people we lost this year, I thought, gosh, that Advent candle is even more promising this year. Because each time we light a candle, I'm reminded that we've got a lot of angels in heaven with us this year who are... Um, still with us in a way and love us still and so I just want to read to kind of close out Bryson spoke at my FCA group this week and he shared my favorite verse um, which is Philippians 4-6 let everything be known to the Lord in prayer through um, thanksgiving and petition but well I'm sorry the beginning of that is don't be anxious about anything but through everything let your prayer and requests be known to the Lord through thanksgiving and petition but he reminded me and um, FCA, the beautiful verse that follows that. And um, I wanted to read that for you just to remind us. Glasses don't clear up tears very well. Okay. Um, so don't worry about anything, but through everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your request be known to the Lord. And verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your heart and minds in Jesus Christ. So I just wanted to share that with y'all this morning. As my choir comes up, we're going to sing a song that just perfectly, y'all come on up, we're going to sing a song that just perfectly aligns with this too. And I've been singing it all week, and it's been blessing my heart. And I hope it does the same for y'all. We're going to sing A Cradle in the Shadow of a Cross.
0: Amen. I love that song, uh, taking us from the trajectory, from the cradle to the cross and beyond. Reminds me a bit of what we attempt to communicate through one night in Bethlehem, right? That we begin at the beginning and take them actually to the cross and then the resurrection. Pray for us tonight as we share the good news. Uh, while I was sitting there, Robert Moody texted me, our friend Robert Moody, and says, The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. This is praying for Glenlock tonight as you share the good news of Christ. So Isaiah chapter 8 and 9. Turn to Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to read a portion of chapter 8. Sorry, Rebecca, throwing y'all off again. 819 through chapter 9 verse... We'll stop at the end of 7. So let's go before the cradle. In fact, let's go hundreds of years before the cradle and let's read a birth announcement about the coming Savior. Now, if you're familiar with birth announcements, wedding announcements, you communicate about a future event and you want to get the facts straight, especially the name, right? Now, what's interesting about this birth announcement is that it comes hundreds of years before Christ. So it's a prophecy. It's pointing forward and it's saying this is what will happen. This is who he will be. My mom was wanting to, with her Christmas card, communicate that my son Eli has a wedding upcoming in the future. She wants to include that as part of her Christmas card announcement. She said, would you send me something? I want to get this right. <laughs> you know, We understand that. Let's read this chapter and see what Isaiah says about Christ, knowing that he gets it right. So, let's look at 8.19. The context is in Isaiah's particular circumstances. This is a time of darkness. This is a time of distress. And Catherine, I agree. When I sat through the Christmas holiday grief share, it it jumped out to me the statement that Christmas is the sufferer's holiday. If you look at the context here, this is a time of darkness and suffering and chaos and confusion but it's of their own doing, because instead of relying upon the Lord and seeking His wisdom and counsel, they've gone their own way and sought their own devices. So Isaiah the prophet says in 8.19, When they say, <clears throat> when they say to you, consult the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people consult their God? Should they consult the dead on behalf of the, li- of the living And look at this, to the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it's because they have no dawn, they have no light. And they will pass through the land hard-pressed and famished, and it will turn out that when they are hungry, they will be enraged and curse. They will curse their king and their God as they face upward. Then they will look to the earth, and behold, distress And darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be driven away into darkness. That phrase reminds me of Adam and Eve being driven out of Eden, out of paradise, away from perfection and the perfect presence of the Lord. But here's good news in chapter 9, verse 1. There will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish, in earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious. By the way of the sea on the other side of Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walk, walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Thou shalt multiply the nation, thou shalt increase their gladness. They will be glad in thy presence as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou shalt break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, as at the battle of Midian. He's remembering what happened with Gideon and his army. Every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning fuel for the fire. War war will finally be over. Well, how does this shift take place? There's been an extreme change of mood and feeling and circumstance. Here it is. For a child, a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and his name. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom. Do you see the connection with Luke 2, or Luke 1 actually, where Kyle read? To establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal, the zeal, the the passion of the Lord. The passion and commitment of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Father... Not to us, not to us, but to your name be glory, for we have sinned and fallen short of your glory. And we have not always lived in consistency with your name. We thank you for your zeal, your love, your passion, which brings to us this child. He lives a perfect life. He dies a sacrificial, atoning death. You raise him from the dead so that in him and in his name we can call and trust. And finally, know peace with you and peace in all the dimensions that come from you. Thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy to me and to us. We find in your Son. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. <laughs> Any of you recognize the connection there? Isaiah and his people are in a dark place. How in the world can they be brought to a new place of hope and peace and love and joy? Here on this second Sunday of Advent, as we cover the great themes, not only of Advent, the coming of Christ, but the great themes of the Bible. And how wonderful God is, and how good He is, and what He's done on our behalf in the midst of seasons of darkness and distress. The people have rejected God and His Word and His revelation, and they've sought their own mediums, their own spirits. The resulting situation is what we find at the end of verse, well, the end of chapter 8. Distress, darkness, gloom, anguish, those are not pleasant terms. But when we move into the good news of the announcement of what takes place in chapter 9, did you notice the shifts? Did you notice the reverse, the reversals, these great reversals from gloom to glory, from anguish to contempt? No, from anguish and contempt to joy and gladness. From darkness to light, from war to peace, from oppression to freedom. Well, my question is, how do these things happen? Well, in a most surprising way and in a surprising place. In Galilee of all places. Through the birth of a child. Here is the gift of Christmas. Allowed to be opened and enjoyed early before the full day. Ray Ortland says this about this passage God came first to the place where his people suffered most, and from that place he launched salvation for the world. God came first to the place where his people suffered most, and from that place he launched salvation for the world. What a gift! The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Can any of you remember your anticipation before Christmas? You could hardly wait. You could hardly stand it. The Aubrey Christmas used to be traditionally on Christmas Eve Eve in the evening. We would gather at my grandmother's home. We would have a meal. And we would wait until the next day to open all the gifts, all the presents. But the children tormented the parents. (laughs) Can we please open just one gift early? (laughs) And usually they would relent. And so early on, we got to enjoy a foretaste of what, in a bigger way, we would enjoy later. I think that's what Isaiah is allowing us to experience here with what he announces about Christ. So let's ask this question, what's in a name? There's a lot that is in a name. God's name is more than just a title. His name declares His character; it proclaims who He is and what He does. The name of God comes to stand realistically for God Himself. By naming Himself in a variety of ways, God graciously accommodates Himself to our finite thinking. That's why, when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, we pray, "Hallowed be what Thy name." That's why oftentimes parents will agonize over what are we going to name this child. If you remember back in, what, the 80s, one of the most popular shows was Cheers. It's about a bar. But if you remember the theme of that opening line, you want to go where everybody knows what your name You want to go where they don't just call you the right thing and not mock your name, but they know you. They know who you are. They love you. They accept you. They welcome you in. What's in a name? There's a lot in a name. So this is a chaotic and troubled world. Who is this deliverer that is going to work these great reversals? Look at verse 6. God does it in a most surprising way. A child will be born. Not just a child, a son will be given. My mind went back to Genesis after the fall, after rebellion. And God announces to the woman, you will have pain in childbearing. Raising children will be painful and difficult. Could it be that God is reversing? And redeeming and showing us that through Mary, through the woman, salvation will come in one of the ways that brings. Difficult. This is is quite surprising. And the fact that this in Galilee of the Gentiles, Galilee of the Gentiles, where did Jesus spend much of his early ministry establishing who he was and what he was going to do? Galilee. The song says, Jesus walked there. In a surprising way, in a surprising place, a great gift had come. So what I want to do now is elaborate on those four names. So that we can understand more of who Jesus is. I want to make a few comments about these names, but these are basically four gifts for Christmas. (laughs) Christmas. You can say them over and over. And and if, if you're me, just reading the passage does some of the work of bringing peace back into my heart and life and giving me that living hope that one day peace will be established in all perfection. Who is He? Who is this Jesus? Oh, He's a wonderful counselor, He's a mighty God. He's the prince of peace. He's an everlasting father. Let's look at these four dimensions, four aspects of his name. And these are just four. There would be an infinite amount, but God is condescending to us and helping us understand who he is and what he's going to do. He is our wonderful counselor. Have you ever needed counseling? (laughs) Yeah, you've needed it. I don't know if you sought it out or not. One of the hardest things that people do, uh, and, and I get this question a lot, is I, I need to talk. I, I need some help. I need to talk to someone. Is there, do you know anyone I could talk to? That's a, that's a hard call to make. But all of us need it. The book of Proverbs is clear that in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. Wise people seek counsel, and wise people seek much counsel, but I've also heard it's a fool that listens to all of it. (laughs) Many buy into what Lou Holtz, the coach at Notre Dame University, used to say don't ever tell other people your problems. He said 80% of the people don't care, and the other 20% are glad you got them. That's not realistic. That's not the world we live in. Jesus provides the counsel we need. What a wonderful counselor. We are oftentimes confused, hurting, angry, grieving, lonely, lost, sinful, you name it. We are what Isaiah 8 is. We've gone our own way. We've sought our own devices. We need light. Light has come in Christ. Listen, he's the ultimate counselor. I thought through what would make a wonderful counselor. He listens well. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. He leans in. He is our great high priest who sympathizes with us because he knows our weaknesses. He listens well. I don't listen well. In fact, sometimes you may need to ask me, Pastor, are you really listening to me? (laughs) Counselors will tell you, professional counselors will tell you, you will feel better immediately if you share your heart with someone you trust. He listens well. And not only does he listen well, he cares deeply. (laughs) There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He cares deeply. He speaks wisdom. Not only does He listen and care, but He speaks truth. He knows truth. He embodies truth. His word is truth, and His word is very encouraging and convicting. It is life-changing. Not only this, not only does Jesus listen well, care deeply, speak truth in his word as we go to our wonderful counselor regularly and walk with him all day long. He comes comes alongside us to help. He comes alongside us to help through the Holy Spirit, the great comforter. Ah, but don't miss this, through the body of Christ. Who can I go to, to, to for counsel and help? The The wonderful counselor has many wonderful counselors in the body of Christ. Go to Hebrews chapter 4, 14 through 16, and see how he understands perfectly. He knows you better than you know yourself. Draw near to him, walk with him, stay near the good shepherd. He is the way. And you will hear him say, I'm telling you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. But let your heart take courage. I've overcome the world. There is no other counselor in existence who can say that and mean it and pull it off. He has overcome the world. What a wonderful counselor. He's also our mighty God. Our mighty God. Meaning Jesus provides the salvation we need. Our sin will create an impossible situation. Your sin will create an impossible situation. My sin will create an impossible situation for which there is no human solution left to ourselves. But what does the angel say to Mary? With God, all things are possible. Mary says, How can this be? How will this be? He is a mighty God. So, Mary and Joseph did not get to choose the name for this promised child. Can you imagine that? And Tracy and I, when our first children came along, I mean, we bought the books, you know, 50 Things to Name a Boy, 50 Things to Name a Girl. You remember those? When we were expecting Jake, our son, Asa said, "Let's name him Fireball." <laughs> we didn't go with Fireball, but <laughs> maybe we should have. Now that we know, now that we know how the, you know, how things have turned out, the pressure was off because God came to them and said, "This is this is what you're going to name him. You shall call his name Jesus," literally meaning Yahweh to the rescue. You shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. His name embodied everything that he would be. What a mighty God he is. And someone sent me something this week. If you want to know how mighty he is, just look at him dying on the cross in utter weakness and suffering at his lowest moment. And the thief looks to him and says, Lord, remember me. And Jesus says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. What a mighty God. What a God who can save. What a God to the rescue. I went to Charles Gore's funeral this week. And on the way out, I was talking to a gentleman who said to me, Neil, I still remember the funeral you preached about your grandfather. That's been many moons ago, if I remember right, in 1996. And I said, that's interesting you mentioned that because I was thinking about him this week. And I was thinking about a particular story that I shared at his funeral. My brother and a couple of friends and I had built a fire, a little campfire. We were probably, I don't know, 15, well, not that old, maybe, maybe 11, 12 years old. We had built a little campfire in front of my parents' house in a pine thicket, and I mean, it was dry. Pine straw everywhere, pine cones everywhere. I'd made a little fire, and before we knew it, the fire had gotten out of control. (laughs) I mean, I pictured burning the whole county down. But my grandfather shows up out of nowhere, coming over the hill, and he's driving a big piece of equipment. Now, how he, I guess maybe he smelled the smoke (laughs) from his house next by, next door, down the road. But there he came over the hill. Well, I was glad to see him. With that big piece of equipment, he covered that fire up. In an instant, it was gone. And there he was, my rescuer. (laughs) Our fire has gotten out of control. We can't put it out. What a mighty God we serve. I've got to move on. The next term, the next phrase, the next title is Everlasting Father. Now this is interesting because there's a son who's also a father. What's going on here? This is a bit of the mystery of the Trinity. You've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal, in perfect oneness and submission and cooperation for our benefit. Jesus is providing the reconciliation we need with God. Atonement, bringing us together, reconciling us to God. So that we can know God as Abba, Father. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the fleshing out of the eternal Father. So that's how this Son also connects us to the Father because Jesus said as they were distressed and worried... He says, I'm leaving you where I'm going, you can't come. And and one of the disciples says, Lord, it'll be enough if we could just see the Father. That would give us peace. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The fleshing out of the eternal Father is in the Son, the Child, the Word, who became flesh and dwelt dwelt among us. And, And for a Christian, the ultimate definition of a Christian is that we have God as our Father. Abba. Father, an everlasting father who will never leave us nor forsake us this time last Sunday we were getting ready to leave our vacation spot for Thanksgiving with our whole family drove 13 hours last Sunday to get back home to Carrollton my father and the rest of the crew left several hours, hours earlier so they were ahead of us on the trip It's getting late Sunday evening. We leave I 75 where Tifton uh, is, and we head South Georgia Parkway through lower darkness of South Georgia, headed to Columbus to come north. And I get a call from my dad Where are you at? Uh, We're at so and so. Be careful, there's a speed trap up ahead. (laughs) We saw it a few hours ago. And I get a call a little bit later on Where are you at? We're here. Where are you at? We're here. It gets about 11 o'clock at night, and my dad says, as we're between Tifton and Columbus, he says, now, if you need me, you call me. And he says, I'll come get you. If you need me, you call me, and I'll come get you. I say, yeah, yeah, and I hung up the phone. And what's interesting is that, or what's important is that I knew he meant it. We made it home safely, but I thanked him later in the week. I says, Dad, thank you. I knew that you would come if we broke down. That makes a difference. You're going, you're going to make sure we get home safely? It's in the middle of the night. Dad says, you got to know my dad. He says, yeah, I would have come, but I wouldn't have wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we have a God who came and a God who wanted to. And that's where the analogy ends. He is not like us. No resentment, no bitterness, no holding back. You see it all in Jesus. He is our what? He, we see in him the, the love of the everlasting Father and there's great peace And knowing that your father is always watching. He's working everything together for good. The last title, Prince of Peace, is really supposed to be the theme of the sermon. (laughs) But let me just say this. Earthly princes were a source of trouble. In the pagan world, in the secular kingdom, a prince is trouble. Why? Why? Ah, there's a throne to be had. This prince is unique, though, in that he is the prince of what? Of peace. He is our source of peace. He alone. Let's remember this because the devil never rejoices more than when he robs a servant of God of his peace of heart. So this prince would be unlike those of the world who are often such a source of conflict... He comes to guide our peace into the path of peace, which is not just absence of conflict, which is nice, but it's much more than that. It's wholeness, health, restoration, fullness, shalom. No issues left unresolved. Contrasting the wicked, they are always like the tossing sea. They never have rest. They never find peace. So the Prince of Peace leads us to the following aspects of peace. I'm just going to list them. They are all crucial. This is a sermon in itself. I promise I'm not going to preach it. Peace with God. Because we are justified by faith, therefore we have peace with God. The peace of God which passes all understanding. That's what Catherine referred to that Bryson mentioned on Friday at FCA. Charles Gore's wife told me as I saw her at the visitation, she said, A great peace just, just came over me. And I told Charles, Charles, it's okay to go home. A great peace just, just came over me, she says. Where does that come from? That's the peace of God that passes all understanding. Peace which rules over the human heart. Christ ruling the heart. Peace with others. Be at peace with all men. Blessed are the peacemakers. As much as it depends upon you, be at peace with all people. He will make even his enemies to be at peace with him, those who walk with him. And then peace forever in the peaceable kingdom. No more crying, no more tears, no more suffering, no more death, no more pain. We have a wonderful counselor because not only does he care and cry with me, but our counselor will dry all of our tears. Because he's also a mighty God. He's also an eternal father. He's also Prince of Peace. So can you say this morning, here in the midst of Christmas preparations and all the chaos, it is well with my soul? Can you say, as we often sing, all is well? Well, no, there are times when we can't say that. And maybe there are times we shouldn't say that because everything isn't well at the moment. But through the wonderful counsel, we can come to this place. It said that Henry Ford said that life is just one darn thing after the other. But I've cleaned that up a little bit. Life is just one darn thing after another, whether it's private or public life. Looking back upon history, one can see that in almost every part of the world, human beings have had to live their normal lives and do their normal biz- business under conditions of uncertainties, dangers, and disasters. So what do we do? As Jennifer Carroll said earlier in a post, if you try to fix everything, prepare yourself to be miserable. We are not called and we will not fix everything. But the zeal of the Lord will accomplish something that is infinite, perfect, and glorious. How can I become a person of peace in a restless, broken world? One call, that's all. One call. You need to have a conversation with God. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, the name, it's not just the title. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be, what, saved. Have you ever had this conversation alone with God? Wherever you're sitting, wherever you're driving, wherever you're standing. Lord, would you become my counselor? Would you become my mighty God? Would you become my everlasting father? Would you be my prince of peace? Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And the steadfast of mind that will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in thee. Father, thank you for these words. They are words from your wonderful counsel. They are about your Son and his work. All of us have sinned and fallen short of your glory. We've all gone our own rebellious way. We've all sought in ourselves salvation and peace. But as John the Baptist's daddy sang, you will guide them into the way of peace. Take each one of us this morning by the hand of our hearts and lead us, Lord, to you. Draw us to your side. Be near us, Lord Jesus. We ask you to stay close by us forever and love us, we pray christ's name amen let's stand and sing oh come all ye faithful joyful and triumphant that's a shift let's sing this Hey, I wanna especially thank thank Miss Judy for being here. It wasn't easy for her to be here this morning. Miss Judy, we love you. We're grateful uh, for you. And I wanna thank Miss Yvonne for singing loudly <laughs> our hymn of invitation. <laughs> I've always felt like Christmas is the is my favorite time to worship because the hymns and songs are so familiar, the passages are so rich so um we'll do this throughout advent we'll continue to celebrate the hope and the peace and the love and the joy Catherine, will you close us please
2: hey i encourage you if you're not part of bethlehem before you leave tonight go down there and walk around and just pray or even in our parking lot pray for everybody who's going to come in the um in tonight or pray in the sanctuary um so even if you're not going to be a part or in the village you're, you're still part of that ministry Um, Pray for Crystal. She's got a lot on her tonight, making sure it all goes right. But just take time today to really have a dedicated moment of prayer before you leave, all right? Let's sing Go Tell It on the Mountain. Go tell it on the mountain Over the hills and everywhere Go tell it on the mountain That Jesus Christ is We'll see all this evening.